Coming up on the Rami Lavi podcast, episode 156. I don't know if there's any significance to 156. Maybe there is to that number. We're finally doing it. A full hour and a half of my story, how I got here. It's long. It's my career story. All that and more coming up right now on the Rami Lavi podcast. Stay tuned. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in another 48 hours. Plus, you can exchange unlimited text messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. So I talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything. One of the things that I learned in therapy was that join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Rami. That's my first name. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami Lavi podcast, episode 156, and it's a special episode. Um, if I'm being honest, I'm never nervous to do this. Uh, this is what I love. This is what I chose to do. And this episode, I'm kind of nervous. Like I have a pad and paper just in case there's something else I want to say. Um, I wrote like more notes than I've ever written in my life, and. Hopefully it's a good thing. Hopefully it still sounds natural and I'm just talking like I always do. Um, and it doesn't sound rehearsed or anything because I didn't rehearse this. This is my first time doing this, although I've had this conversation with people many times. Um, but this is the conversation about my career. I decided today uh, when I was driving down to Baltimore um, to my parents. I'm at my parents now in their little art studio if you are watching this. Um and I decided I wanted to do this, uh, and I decided today was the day and to stop pushing it off for a few reasons. First of all, so in case you didn't realize, we're doing a little bit of a different episode than we usually do. If you're a, usual, a regular listener, I appreciate you. Um, if this is your first time, thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Um, but um, it's a little different. Not going to talk sports today, or technically not going to talk sports. It's all around sports. 
Um, but there's no new sports. I'm not allowed to talk about baseball because my current job with Major League Baseball doesn't allow me to. Um, and the NBA is over. The NHL is over. And so right now, the only thing to talk about is my career. So there's going to be plenty of time to talk sports. Some stuff happened in the NBA, the parade, free agency, all that stuff. We'll get to all that stuff, but not today. Um, and so we have three months to break down till football season starts. There's a lot. There's just a lot going on. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to all of that at some point. But for today, um, what I want to do today is um, something I've wanted to do for a long time. And a lot of times I've asked myself, do people really care? Is there an appetite for this? Does anyone actually care about my career and about my story? And that question has kind of pushed me to push this off and to be like, nah, no one really cares. Who are you? You haven't done anything yet. You haven't accomplished anything. Just keep your head down. Keep grinding. Um, but recently, as I started working at WFAN, started working at Major League Baseball, uh, people have been reaching out to me. More people have been reaching out to me just being like, hey, that's I want to hear about your career. What do you do? People are like, hey, this is so cool. I love what you do. Friends of mine, like, this is awesome that you're chasing this. I want to hear more about it. Um, people reaching out to me on Twitter. And at first I was like, why are people reaching out to me on Twitter? Like, you know, why are you reaching out to me about my career, about what I'm doing? Like I have kids in high school and stuff and people who are 20 something years old also reaching out to me. How do we get into the sports industry and stuff? And I remember back to when I was first starting and I was just reaching out to anyone who seemed accessible. I don't have 20,000 followers. I'm, you know, a relatively small account. I, I'm in the industry, but I seem more accessible than some of the other people. So, you know, two years ago, me would have reached out to me of today. And so when I think about all these things, I get to, like the two things I get the most from people when I see them in person, when if it's someone I know from online, I meet them in person for the first time. It happened a couple times this week. First thing they say is, wow, you're taller than I expected, which I appreciate. I mean, I don't know. I guess I give off a short vibe, um, but I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I'm average. I'm not super tall, but I'm, I'm, I'm not short. And... Um, the other thing is people are like, dude, it's so cool what you're doing. I want to, I want to hear more about it. Um, and so clearly there's an appetite for it. And like I said, I would be reaching out to me right now. And the other reason I want to do this is because this isn't just about sports. This isn't just about those people reaching out to me. It's about anyone I think in life can learn from this. You can learn perseverance. You can learn about chasing your dreams. You can learn about not giving up. You can learn about controlling your mind when you have negative thoughts and mental health and all that stuff. When I talk about mental health at the beginning of the episode, it's not fake. It's not just an ad read that I do to make money for, from commercials. You know, it's real. It's something that I relate to. That's why I chose that partnership with, with, you know, um, better help. Um, and so I think it's time to just tell my story. And when I hear it come out of my mouth, I'm grossed out. I'm like, Ugh, tell my story. Like it sounds disgusting. But I genuinely think people want to hear it. And I think there are people who I owe it to tell them this story. And I owe it to myself to tell this story because I need to hear it. I need to hear how far I've come. I need to hear how much I've accomplished um, so that it can motivate me to keep going. And the last two weeks really, really drilled that home. Um, the last two weeks of work going to meet Paul O'Neill, working at WFAN with Keith and hustling back to New York City or to Secaucus from New York City to go work at MLB, making social videos, um, 
going to the Mets game this week, meeting Stu Finer and all the Mets at the at the Mets event earlier this week. And when I talked to Stu Finer, and this is crazy, I don't think I've made it by any stretch just from the last two weeks at work and it being awesome. I talked to Stu Finer, who's big on barstool. He's been around in the sports media game since the 80s. Like he had the sports advisors back then. And when I talked to him, we talked about me growing up in Israel, which we'll get to. We talked about so many different things. And He's like, I love your story. Keep fighting. I love you. You're awesome. You're going to, your story's so great. So many people need to hear your story. And that's why you're going to be awesome. If you know Stu, he's got tons of energy. He's, he's like that. And so I was like, man, like, I don't know if just Stu make me, it may feel great, but he, the way he said it, he's like, you have such a great story to share. You, you're you're going to share it and you're going to be awesome. And, and it made me want to share it. And then the news today that came out that, um, Craig Carton, uh, is leaving WFAN and there's always kind of been a, a weird timing and timing is not coincidence and you'll that's one of the things i'm going to talk about a lot that nothing in my career seems to be coincidence and definitely not timing and there's been a weird timing thing with between me and craig carton on my timeline and i've always had a connection growing up listening to him now working with him um and him leaving the fan today although he'll be around he'll be at wfn it's not when he, like he, when he left the first time um it uh you know that to me is something that it hit me the, the news hit me hard today where I was like sad that he's leaving sad I'm not gonna be able to listen to him anymore but it also made me think about my career in an interesting perspective and I was like I gotta talk about this I gotta do this today and that's why I'm doing it right now um two things before I start that you need to know about me if you don't know me number one I don't do bs I love authenticity I cannot do fake I cannot do ingenuine from the time I'm a little kid, my parents will tell you it's something that irks me to my core. Everything I has to do has to feel real and authentic. I can't fake it. Like I, I, sometimes I do things that I don't love. Everyone does things that you don't like because you have to in life sometimes. But when I feel like I'm working towards something, I have to be working towards that thing. I can't fake it. I can't be one of those people who just sits there and is like, I'll do this thing. I could fake it. I could fake a smile, fake a laugh. Um, a couple other things like, I was always super, I had a crazy imagination and super creative. I was talking to my mother about this recently. She asked me if I was, she was going to get a shout out. I was like, yeah, you will. <laughs> um, but I was talking to my mother and she's like, yeah, I mean, she has this creative gene. Both my parents have this creative gene. And it's like, it's a gift and a curse, you know, because you have this feeling that you need to chase it. You need to do something about it. Um, but sometimes that means there's no money in it or there's, you know, it's restricting you in other areas. So you're too imaginative. You, I dream too big sometimes. And maybe that's why. I'm down this path and not doing something more traditional, um, quote unquote. But um, so that's that's the other thing. I, I'm, authenticity and creativity are the two like just driving forces in my life. So let's get into it. It's been like 10 minutes already and I haven't really gotten into it. Um, growing up, young kid, uh, I'm from Bergen County, um, from Passaic originally, New Jersey. Um, grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family. Uh, my parents are the best and anyone who meets them will tell you that. Um, my dad's a huge sports fan. My mother likes sports and pretends to be a fan for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, and it's, it was like, again, my childhood was awesome. Everything was cool. Sports was introduced to me like so many other kids by my father. That's, that's who introduced you to sports. A lot of people. Um, and that was like the bond we had. Um, when I was in elementary school, my parents decided that we were going to move to Israel. Uh, I didn't really have a say in the matter. I was seven years old, six years old. Um, so we moved to Israel, um, 
but my father, when we moved, started a baseball league in Israel, actually. And so this was part of like that sports connection where he's obviously a big sports fan. And I had two brothers, an older brother right above me and a brother under me. I'm one of seven, a lot of siblings, but, um, um, I had two brothers, one right above me, one right below me who were also sports fans. So it wasn't like it was just me. Um, and so we played baseball in this league that my father started I actually ended up playing in that league throughout, uh, through middle school for eight years. So a uh, long time I played baseball in that league that my father started. Uh, but the summers, we would come back uh, and spend the summers. My mom's from uh, Maryland, so we'd spend the summers in Maryland, where my mother's from. Um, and uh, we'd go to Orioles games. Sometimes we'd catch Yankee games. And when we were in New York, because I have a grandmother in New York, so we'd also go there for part of the summer. And I I'd listen to WFAN on the radio. Um, I remember listening, going to sleep, listening to WFAN, falling asleep with the radio next to my ear. I had a, like a cell phone that had like a radio on it. Um I had like I would listen to the Yankee games falling asleep when I was a little kid. And it's so funny because a lot of kids are big sports fans and I was a huge sports fan, but I was more into sports broadcasting and media, which wasn't even like a thing back then. And I was almost more into that than I was into the sports itself. So I uh, like I knew the broadcasters names as a little kid. I was like, yeah, of course. I love Michael K. Um, and I was just like, that's weird <laughs> that I, I knew that, you know. Um, and I would listen to the broadcasters and I had ones that I liked and had ones that I didn't like. And if I didn't like the broadcaster, I'd turn it off and I'd broadcast it myself in my head, um, from a young age. And then getting a little bit older, as I started to grow up, my siblings stopped caring as much, but it, I don't know, maybe I just never grew out of it. Maybe I'm immature, but I, my love for sports just never wavered. I was still just a huge sports fan, even as some of my siblings fell out of it. And it kind of became something special for me and my father because, now my siblings aren't even there. It's just me and him. We're the big sports fans. Um, and so it's the special bond we had. I remember the 2009 uh, World Series one was so run was so special for me because um, my father would wake me. We lived in Israel. My father would wake me at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm in middle school. And he'd wake me at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch the World Series games with him because we were just huge Yankee fans. Um, and then we listened to you know, the boomer and carton from the next morning. And we listened to Bill Simmons talking about it with Jacko. Cause that was also, he was super into podcasts, like podcasts, like in 2009, nobody was listening to podcasts, but my father, I'm telling you, he's the only person in the world who discovered podcasts in 2008 and 2009. He was listening to Bill Simmons. We had to like download it from a computer onto an MP3 player. Like it didn't exist, but we were already on the podcast game. We we're already on Bill Simmons. Um, and I would start like I had a little this chunky MP3 player that I would download all this stuff onto, um, and I would listen. It had like it had like, the edges um, on like the corners. It had like like rubber so that like if it bounced on the floor, it wouldn't break. I guess because it was like just like metal. Like it was like this big tank of a thing. Anyway, um, and I I would listen to other podcasts on it, but then I'd record, I'd record myself talking. I record myself singing. And another thing about me, I'm always more comfortable in front of a microphone, in front of a crowd talking in public than I am even like in a cocktail hour talking to people. If you meet me in person, I might be a little bit more awkward than, you know, if you see me talking on stage, like when I was a kid, I traveled Europe singing in a Jewish choir. Um, true story. I like, you could ask anyone, there's pictures of it. It's, they're terrible, but, and I don't even have a good voice. I'm not, I don't have a good singing voice. And I, I would travel around singing. Um, and I just felt like I always wanted to be something that was that was the creative part of me, but it's also the public persona part of me that I always had to me. 
Um, but I would back to the MP3 player. I would record games. I'd make up again, going back to my imagination. I'd make up games in my head that weren't existing. That I'd make up players. I'd put together lineups, you know, from two teams that I knew the lineups by heart. Obviously, in the stats, like some kids who are super into it. But then I'd broadcast a game and I'd take like a box score for a game that never happened, and I was just broadcasting it into my phone, making it up. Um, so that was like younger days. Then high school. I get to high school. I was in a really strict um, ultra orthodox school, which. You know, we started our day at 7 a.m. and we ended our day at 9.30 p.m. The rules were, you know, I don't even know how I made it through that school. And I look back at it and I wonder, and I chose to go there. This wasn't my parents. This wasn't anything. Like, I wanted to be there. And I kind of think back, like, how I made it through. And we had a two-hour break. In Israel, it was between, like, 1 and 3 p.m. every day. And that lines up, I think, six uh, six a.m. Otherwise, I've been telling myself a lie this whole time. Um, six a.m. to eight a.m. U.S. time, and then I'd catch as much as I can. And that's when I really started listening to Boomer and Carton every day. Um, they were full swing on the air uh, in New York City on WFAN, and their show. I'd everyone after like class at one p.m. would run to go catch like lunch, and I'd go back to my room to get my phone because there was this phone number you could call to listen to American radio from Israel. So. I spent hours on the phone just listening and I didn't like I have a ton of friends in high school either like I have a few close friends who I'm still close with today and I was very popular but I didn't have like but I didn't like them as much as they liked me and I would you know I'd listen to radio all day I listened to Boomer and Carton I listened to SVP and Rosillo I listened to Colin Cowherd he was on in the evening I listened to these radio shows I mean, Rosillo, I still listen to uh, Colin Cowherd, his TV show now, but and obviously SVP went on to great things ESPN. But at the time, those were the back-to-back shows on ESPN radio was SVP and Rosillo and then Colin Cowherd. And I listened to that. Um, and then after high school, I went to a yeshiva in Israel program for kids coming from America uh, to study in Israel. Um, I, I did that for a couple of years out of high school. It's mainly kids on a gap year or two uh, or three sometimes. Um, after high school, going to Israel for Orthodox Jewish kids to study um, Torah in, in a yeshiva. And I kept listening. And I think back to it now, I'd spend hours in day, like hours of the day in bed listening to sports talk radio. And I was probably a little bit depressed. Like I, I have like this rule that I live by now where I don't sit in bed. Like if I'm working, if I'm doing something, even if I'm at home, I'll do it on the couch. Like I could be watching TV on my phone, like not something productive and I'll do it on the couch rather than doing it in bed because like I have like this, if you're in bed, you're dead. I read that in uh, Tuesdays with Maury, which is a book. Another, you want another shout out for my mom. Um, my mother loves that book. So another shout out to her there. Uh, but yeah, that book, you know, I, I read that there. If you're in bed, you're dead. And I think in, in that, like, I didn't care about anything. I went from this um, from this high school where the rules were so strict. If you were two minutes late to anything, you know, you got kicked out. If you had your shirt untucked, they sent you back to your dorm room. My dorms, they sent you back to your dorm room to tuck your shirt back in. Like it was strict. And when I got to this other place where I kind of like let loose, I was like, all right, this is great. I could do whatever I want. And most 18 year olds don't care about anything ever as it is. I really, I cared about nothing in life. Like I, I didn't care about anything and I would sit in bed for hours listening to the radio. Um, and I had two things that I loved while I was there. Two things. I would go home um, every weekend and I'd bring a ton of friends home. And my mother would make just an abnormal amount of food. If you know what Shabbos is, it's the best. 
you put on everything just goes away everything stops for 25 hours from sundown friday night to sundown saturday everything just stops my mother would make all the food in the world um and host all of my friends and i'd play basketball every friday we had like a hoop on our on our on our um on our block uh, where we lived, we had a basketball hoop and I played basketball with my father and my friends would play also sometimes every single Friday. And it was a bonding experience for me and my father. And then we'd sit around, we'd just talk at the, at the table just with no phones, no technology for hours. Uh, just me and my friends and my parents and like my family every single Shabbos, every weekend for <laughs> three years. Um, and it was, the, that was the, uh, that was the highlight of my week every single week. I love that. Um, wouldn't trade it for the world. Those, you know, those Shabbos um, and then, uh, in 2017, I was listening one morning to the fan and Craig wasn't on. And then I get the texts and start seeing screenshots from my friends that he had been arrested and his whole situation, which there's a documentary on HBO. There's stories in the paper. You don't need me to tell you this story. Um, and I didn't believe my friend at first. I was like, no, that can't be true. That's a lie. And I was devastated, uh, when that happened. Um, and I pretty much stopped listening to WFAN. Then in 2018, um, I moved back to the United States. I moved back. Um, I actually moved to Connecticut and started uh, working in real estate um, and studying for the LSAT. Because to me, I come from a community, a Jewish Orthodox community of doctors and lawyers. I have uncles and parents and grandparents who are all doctors and lawyers and professionals. And no one ever told me that's what I had to do, but that's just what I assumed. That's what you do. And I put this kind of pressure on myself where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to just live this life. I'm going to follow, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're going to do next. Um, and it was just a kind of pressure on myself. I was like, so I'll be a lawyer. This is obviously what I want to do. I want to make a lot of money and, you know, support a big family and just kind of be like my parents. I love the way I was brought up. I love, I still do. I respect it. Like, my parents are awesome. I'm at my parents right now uh, for the weekend. Like, and it's just like, I put this kind of pressure on myself. I don't know where it came from to be a certain kind of way and to try and hold myself to a certain kind of standard. Um, and so I felt like I genuinely wanted to do that. And I really thought I wanted to do those things. Um, in 2018, by the way, when I moved here, I started getting more into like big cat and uh, part of my take. Um, as I mentioned, I really stopped listening to the fans so much. So started listening to part of my take more, started getting more into barstool sports. Also, I'm, you know, I'm a 20 year old at that point. It was kind of popular back then uh, in 2018 for college kids. Yeah, it was pretty popular. So I'm taking college classes. I'm learning. Uh, I'm in, you know, this LSAT class study class. I am, you know, working part time for property management and leasing for a real estate company. And I'm like, I got this figured out. This is awesome. I listened to Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo, every podcast, obviously they, they went on to the ringer at that point. So all of a sudden I'm listening to all that stuff. Um, and then being back in New York in the New York area, I was in Connecticut, but I also, I, my classes were in New York and uh, my grandmother was in New York. I spent a lot of time with her. And so I started listening to the fan again, just because you're there, it's local radio. You just turn it on. And so I started listening to Boomer and Geo, which was the morning show that took over for Boomer and Carton. Obviously, Greg Giannotti um, took over. And I thought like, okay, I got it figured out. I had a girlfriend who I love and I married her in December of 2019 and we're living in Connecticut. And I'm like, great, I have this career path. I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to, go to law school. Um, I'm going to have this big ass family and I'm going to uh, you know, uh, just continue down this regular path. Um, 
and then the pandemic hits obviously three months after we get married in march of 2020 um and it was so interesting when the pandemic started all of a sudden everything changed everything stopped my job stopped there was nothing to do for work um and uh when i one thing that i started doing was i started listening to boomer and geo a lot more there was no sports on and yet they had a sports talk radio show on wfan every single day at six o'clock in the morning and they gave me a reason to get up in the morning it was them uh i listened to current mood who uh john mayer used to do these current moods on instagram live obviously i was listening to bill simmons and and the ringer and some of those podcasts but i really started listening to the radio every day and falling in love with radio because what's so special about radio that nothing else has you can you can never convince me out of this. No other medium has this where you feel like you're going through it with them. You feel like you're best friends with them. Like think about how many people called in today. If you were listening to the fan today when Craig Carton announced that he's leaving, people are like, my good friend, Craig, I, I'm going to miss you. I love you. Like feel like they're actually buddies with him. Um, and I listened to Boomer and Geo every single day. I never met them in my life. And they, I remember one day in particular that hit me when they were talking about the 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 ship that was coming to New York to take the hospital beds um, because they needed more hospital beds. They need more space. The hospitals were too full in New York. And they're talking about these heavy, serious topics and they're scared and they're going through it with you. And no one knew what was happening. No one knew if you were going to be okay, but they still found a way to make you laugh. They still found a way with no sports. There was no topic to the only thing to talk about was COVID and they still found a way to make it fun and make it funny, but also be serious. And the way they handled the pandemic made me fall in love with radio, made me fall in love with remember why I fell in love with Boomer in the first place. And all those things came rushing back. Um, then my wife and I both got laid off during COVID and my parents were like, well, come to Baltimore. My parents had moved actually from Israel a year earlier, which nothing in life is a coincidence, right? They had moved a year earlier to Baltimore and my father was starting up his orthodontic practice here. He's like, look, your wife could work for me um, and you can find a job here. We'll figure it out. So I started working. I took like a job that was kind of salesy, kind of in the real estate world. So it was perfect. All right, we're, we're working. We're living in Baltimore now. And it was going to work for us. Um, and then they announced one day, and I remember this day, that Craig Carton is actually leaving prison early. Um, and then... They also announced that he's going to have a one-hour special on WFN. I'll never forget this day. Because when they announced this one-hour special, it was such an interesting day. I hated this job that I took when I got to Baltimore. Hated it. I went in every day dreading it. I had that pit in my stomach that when you go in and I felt like this is the worst possible place I could be on earth every single day. Um... And I thought maybe it was because I wasn't successful there. I wasn't doing well. I wasn't making money. And I thought maybe I've just felt like a loser. And I remember that day so vividly because there was this event that we were having at work um, where uh, we were hosting. We, I was, we had made a big sale and I had arranged the whole thing. I put together the event. I reached out to the buyer. I reached out to the, it was the local police department was there. I put together like from A to Z, the entire event. And I was going to get up and speak in front of all these people at this event. I love public speaking. This is perfect for me. It was supposed to be the best day of work. And the event went so well. Everything went perfect. 
and my bosses were happy and the the clients were happy and everyone was thrilled. I spoke so well and it should have been the best day ever. And I left that place feeling so awful and depressed. And I was driving home. It was about two hours from home. So I was driving home and about five, I remember it was five o'clock in the afternoon. Craig was going to go on the air and it was during, it fell out during my drive home. And I'm like, I feel, I just had like the best day I could possibly have at this job and I feel awful. So I, I turn on Craig Carton and he talks about his return and he talks about coming back and he says, I promise you I'm a changed person. If you don't believe me, email me, reach out to me. Here's my email address, email me. And so I did. And I don't even remember that I felt this way when I sent this email to Craig Carton. It was November 9th, 2020. And I want to read it because I'll read what I wrote and I'll read what he wrote back. Um, I just think like, I don't remember feeling this way, but it's just crazy that, that I did. So good evening, Craig. I hope this email finds you well. My name is Rami Lavi. I've been a sports fan as long as I can remember. And the teams I love most are those teams who play in New York, growing up in New Jersey, then many other places. As my family bounced around a bit, I always connected in a special way with sports. Like many others, my dad introduced me to the world of sports at a young age. Like many others, I was enamored with the players and the teams. The thing which separated me from the others was I felt was how I felt the way I felt about broadcasters. Every sports memory, not only mine, but everyone's, is linked to a voice, one which brings the play to life. I fell in love with these voices. I memorized the calls, and I knew the names of all my favorite broadcasters at a young age. It was around the same time my father introduced me to sports talk radio. I was nine years old when you and Boomer first graced the WFAN airwaves with your voices. My dad from, was from Long Island, and my mom is from Maryland, and they're both huge Boomer fans. I became a Carton fan. Over the next decade, I rarely missed an opportunity to listen, and when I couldn't live, um, I would listen later in the day. Some shows on repeat. I'll never forget my 2009 uh, Yankees World Series run with your colorful commentary and Al Dukes' songs linked to each one of those memories. As I got older, I became more of a radio head, but I always was picky with who I listened to. I still love Bill Simmons and Adam Carolla. Some shows I would love and then it would fade. Others I hated but listened anyway. The one show that was constant was the guys on the fan in the morning, referring to Boomer and Carton, obviously. Some of my last most vivid memories of Boomer and Carton was during the 2017 playoff run. You guys were at your height, and then it ended. I remember the day vividly um, as well as I listened throughout the morning. First, I thought nothing of your absence. Then the story developed. While friends of mine were no longer fond of you, I always was a fan. Though in my heart I knew I would never hear Boomer and Carton again. I've always wanted to be a sports writer, broadcaster, or talk show host. Life hasn't taken me down that road. I guess I've always made excuses for myself and chose more of the quote-unquote sure thing path. I'm a smart kid, and the fear of what people might say if I toss away precious years of my life for a fantasy, or I feared, I should say, I feared what people might say if I toss away precious years of my life for a fantasy. Still, it's a dream. When rumors of your early release and return to the station first world, I was excited. And now, a daily listener of Boomer and Geo show, I was curious where you would land and what would happen. But then that Thursday came. First, the morning announcement, 
and then your special your one hour special i couldn't wait listening to you live finally i was so excited this was something i thought i thought i would never hear again then when norman from east islip called in for a few minutes it felt as as though all was normal but of course this won't be the show and while you apologize for taking away the show i accept and i accept your apology I'm still upset for you taking away my favorite show. Finally, when you made your official return today, one, one thought stays on my mind. I think to myself, here's a guy who went through all the struggles of it, and still his talent and perseverance shone through. If I believe that I have the talent, I must show that perseverance. I have a lot to learn from you. Today, I support myself. And don't have the resources for schooling or the time to try and get a media degree. Um, still, I look to you as a symbol of hope that against all odds, anything can be done. I apologize for the long message. I'll be listening and rooting for you. Always a fan, Rami. Uh, that's a really long email to write to someone. I'll tell you that much. And when I think back on that email... A couple of things. I didn't realize I was so scared of what people thought. Um, but obviously, this was a raw emotional email that I wrote to him um, that I was in a vulnerable position and I was willing to say that to him. And I did say that to him. Um, and the second thing was like, it's crazy that he responded. And I didn't even realize that I felt that way about like sports media that I knew already that that's what I wanted to do. I thought that was always more in the back of my head, but I was already, already like really wanted to do it at that point. Um, he wrote back, thanks for the note. I hear you. And yes, I messed up B and C for everyone. No doubt. The message to you is to never waver on fulfilling your dreams and to always go for it and never to, and to never regret not taking the chance to be great at what you love. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Those words stuck with me. And it's something I've heard multiple times since you never regret taking that chance. Um, that was on November 9th. My first podcast released on November 16th, exactly a week later. And even starting my podcast, I was embarrassed. I didn't send it to people. I was just like, I recorded it into my phone and I was like, who am I to have a podcast? Why do people want to listen to this? Um, but I knew that the only way to start was you're in 2020 or at that. Yeah, it was 2020 at that point. You have a phone. You can have a platform. You didn't need to be on the radio. You didn't need to have a degree. All you needed was a cell phone. And so I decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to one way or another make this work. Um, I reached out to everyone in the world. I reached out to every single person about being on my podcast, how to grow the podcast, everything. I got answers from some people, didn't get answers from others. The two that stand out the most to me were just the drastic difference between two of them. Um, one person I reached out to who had recently, during the pandemic, really built up their podcast and he was like, yeah, I worked so hard at this. Do you think this is easy? You're just trying to come in here. And he's like, no, this is hard work. And I felt so taken aback. Like, wow, he doesn't want to help. Like, what's wrong with him? He feels like he's so territorial about this. If he has his piece of the pie, then I won't get mine. Then I cold DM. It was someone that I knew. It was someone that I had known previously. And it was just so frustrating to me. And then... I reached out to someone else who I never met before. Just saw him because I thought he had a funny name for his podcast, honestly. Um, and I reached out to him on Instagram. 
And I gave him this whole sob story about how, you know, it's so hard and no one helps me. And I just had this interaction with a friend of mine who started a podcast and he was so rude about it. And he said to me, he was a Jewish kid. He said, Jews help Jews. I'd love to help you. I'd love to come on your podcast. And there's a couple of things he said to me. One thing was the only way you fail is if you quit. And the other thing, and he's telling, told me that a thousand times. And what he's told me years later, he told me this, we're still friends. We're still in touch. We're still, you know, we still text from time to time. And his career has taken off. He's, um, his name's Johnny Lazarus. He's at, he was at the NHL finals now. Um, I consider him a friend and he, his career has really taken off. And one of the things he said to me recently was, I won't forget that when you reached out to me, meaning when I reached out to him first, you were the first person to ask me to come on my, on, on your show, on your podcast. He's like, no one had ever asked me that before. And so while you thought like I was doing you a favor, we were doing each other a favor. Like you don't know how much that meant to me. And when I think back, there are so many situations like that where you reach out to someone in life, you try and help someone in life, you try and do the right thing, and you don't realize how much you're doing for the other person and vice versa. And like, there's so many cool stories like that throughout my career. And that was just the beginning. That was just the podcast. Um, I wasn't doing it to get a ton of views. I wasn't doing it to become famous. I was doing it just because there was no other way to do it. There was no other way to follow my passion, to grow what I wanted to grow. This was the only thing I knew how to do. So I just started a podcast one day. Um, and I thought I was pretty good at it, but I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Um, and the other thing I did, which was funny, at this job I hated, I started writing for them. Like they wanted me to grow the company with like LinkedIn posts and stuff like that. It was like the funniest thing. Um, and so I started writing articles for them on LinkedIn and all the articles were like sports related. They were probably super confused. Um, since then I've, I've actually checked the page. They deleted all of them like right after I stopped working there, but it was great because it was like, I was at work doing what I was supposed to be doing. I'm trying to grow the company. Right. And all my, and I'm sports writing while I'm doing it. And like, I'm building a portfolio of sports articles. Um, that day, uh, that job uh, ended shortly thereafter, as you can imagine. Um, and the last conversation I had with that boss, um, and he's actually someone I have to thank for having this conversation because he didn't mean this in a positive way at all. Trust me, he meant this as totally negative. He was thought he was hating on me. Really, he was giving me the best advice anyone's ever given me. Um, he, my boss says to me one day, he says, if your passions were, if you were as passionate about your job and your career as you are about your hobbies, you'd be really successful. And I was like, oh, what a diss. Um, <laughs> he called what I was, what was my passion, my hobby. And as I said, I don't do anything. I can't fake things. If I'm passionate about something, I will put my all into it. I'm so authentic. But if I'm not passionate about it, I cannot fake it. And I kind of just looked at him and I was like, that's it. This is over. I'm not... I'm going to do something where my passions and my job are aligned. I don't care what that is. I'll find a job that I can be passionate about that I can care about because I'm not going to do something where I feel like I'm dragging myself and I have a pit in my stomach coming in every day. I literally walked into the other room and just looked for any job that I could find um, in mostly in sports industries, but in intercom specifically because I wanted to be at the fan. That's what I cared about was right after Craig came back. 
and I looked at Intercom Jobs, and I found a, an Intercom in Baltimore. That's what the name of the parent company. There's the fan in Baltimore was hiring a salesperson. Posted on LinkedIn. I was like, great, I'm applying. I, hopefully, I applied to any job, anything I can get. This sounded like it fit my skills. I did some marketing. I did some sales. This this could be the job. Um, I stopped going into work after that conversation with my boss. I didn't want to see him again. And I got fired. Um, so I was fired t- twice in 2020. Um, I got fired the last day of 2020. So the year that sucked for everyone, it sucked a little bit for more for me. Not only was I fired, I was broke in the first place because he wasn't paying me anything. Um, and then he fired me the last day of 2020, which again, self-inflicted. I, I just stopped showing up. I was like, I, I can't deal with this guy anymore. Um, and then two weeks later, I get a call from someone and she says she's Tracy Brandy's uh, from Odyssey or at the time it was Entercom. And I'm like, what? Yeah, it's Tracy Brandy's. I'm the president of the local Baltimore market of of Entercom. And I'm like, this person's actually calling me from the, the, the resume I sent in online. I never thought I would hear from this person. She's like, I saw your resume and let me tell you, you're not qualified for this job. It's a really hard job. It's not what you think it is. It's not easy. You barely have any sales experience. It's marketing. It's radio. It's really difficult. You don't see any success in the first couple of years. You're a young kid. You're going to want to come in. You're going to want to see immediate results. You're not going to see results for two years. She goes on and on about all the reasons I'm not qualified and I would be terrible at the job. And I was like, and yet you're still calling me and you're still on the phone with me. So let's figure this out. Let's see what we can do. Um, and she's like, no, I'm telling you, I kept her on the phone for 20 minutes though. I said, no, I'm, I'm so passionate about this. This was my one opportunity. I got a call. I didn't think I was ever going to get a call from any of these companies ever again. This was my one opportunity in the world to just make the best impression on this phone call that I've ever made. And if she would have hung up and said nothing, I probably would have called back that number and tried again. Like she was like, I was just so persistent. I would not let her hang up. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm telling you, I am obsessed with sports talk radio. I just want a foot in the door. I'll prove it to you. I'll show you. I'll work for free. I'll do anything. I'm telling you, I'm going to be awesome at this. And I didn't even know what it was. It was an account executive. I didn't know that an account executive and a sales job was the same thing. Like she's told me she's calling about the account executive role. And I was like, I don't, what is that? And I still, I was just like, I, I just BS my way through the call just to keep her on the phone. And she says, fine, you know what? Um, I'll I'll give you this guy. Here's his number. His name's Kevin Friedman. He's going to give you a call Friday at 10 o'clock um, and you'll talk to him. So at this point, I'm not working, right? Because I'm fired and I'm waiting for Kevin Friedman, this guy to call. And 10 o'clock on Friday rolls around and Kevin doesn't call. And I'm like, of course, too good to be true. And I literally, I called him at 10.30. I waited till 10.30 and then I call him, no answer because she gave me his number um, and no answer. And I walk into the other room. I tell my wife who like, shout out to her. I'm not working. I'm chasing this pie in the sky dream. And she's like supporting me, but also like letting me do this and like really like cared. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later. And I start just, I'm like, forget it. This was nice. It was two weeks where I really thought maybe I could chase something that I'm passionate about. I have this podcast. I'm trying to get this job. It's just not going to happen. Um, he's he's not calling me. And as I'm saying this, um, I look down at my phone. My phone's ringing. It's about 1045 at this point. And Kevin Friedman's calling me. Um, I pick up the phone and it was almost instantaneous. The connection we had, we hit it off immediately. 
We talked about me living in Israel. We talked about that connection. He's Jewish. We talked about so many things. We talked about sports. We talked about life. He talked about his kids. We talked like in an hour. We just talked for an hour about everything. And we didn't even talk about the job. We didn't talk about the job for the first hour of the conversation. We just hit it off. We were like immediately. And then finally he tells me, he's like, look, dude, I really like you. This was an awesome conversation we had, but like this job is not for you. Tracy called you by accident. Um, she was looking at a different resume, got the numbers mixed up and your resume sucks. You're not qualified for this. Um, it's just not ha- going to happen for you. And I'm like, look, we, we just got along. You like me. I like you. Let's, let's just try and make something work. He's like, well, look, I do really like you. Um, this was an awesome conversation. So here's what I can do for you. This guy, Nick Dracchio, who um, he works for us. He's in the, the sports sales department. He's and he's you could work with him for for free, like work on a, on, on a couple of things with him. And then you're going to have a presentation for him. And if he likes it, we'll take it from there. Um, but either way, like we probably won't hire you, but stay in touch. You know, I like you. I this was an awesome conversation. Keep in touch with me. Reach out to me. Text me. Call me whenever you want. Um, but here, here's Nick Dracchio. So emails me with Nick Dracchio. Dracchio was back and forth with like emails and he was telling me, here's this and that. And you have to put together this presentation. And it was basically just three weeks of kind of emails once every couple of days of work leading up to this presentation. Um, it happens to be when the day of the presentation came out, uh, I was in Miami because I had unemployment money. Let me tell you that stuff hit different. Um, so I was in I was in Miami. Um, but I was like, I'm gonna give this presentation from a hotel room, and I'll see. I'm I'm gonna put a little slideshow if you're watching on YouTube at the end of this, um, and you, I'll put the hotel room uh, in Miami in the video. But um, I I'm in the hotel room, and he's like, dude, you could have waited. He could tell because it was like obviously hotel art behind me. He's like, you could have waited. You didn't have to do it today in the hotel room. I'm like, no, I'm I'm so eager. I'm so excited. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm I'm I want to take this job. And right away, the first thing I saw was he had a Henrik Lundqvist. He's from Baltimore. And he had a Henrik Lundqvist poster behind him, who's the the, the goalie for the Rangers, right? I'm like, hey, you're a Rangers fan? I'm a huge Rangers fan. We talked for an hour also. Hit it off right away. Started talking about sports. And by the way, this is what I talked about before. Like, one of the things that makes me, like, like I, I said, I'm so good at, like, the public speaking, talking into a microphone, talking in publicly, giving a speech and stuff. But if you're, like, mingling, I get, like, uncomfortable sometimes. But one of the things that always was an icebreaker for me was sports. I could talk to sports about to anyone for hours. And so, you know, we hit it off immediately just talking about sports. And it was such a cool thing. Like all of a sudden, like we're best friends. And I did the presentation like in the last five minutes of the call because he didn't even care. It's like, oh, yeah, dude, you're awesome. Yeah, that that presentation was great. And we became really close, obviously, once we started working. So I was like, all right, what's the next step? And like, okay, now there's this lady, Christy Cool. She's going to give you a couple of these personality tests to see if you pass. I'm like, all right, awesome. How long is this going to take? Because at this point, three weeks with Dracchio, two weeks hearing from Tracy in the first place. So I reach out to Christy Cool. She's like, yeah, you take the test. We get the results back two weeks later. You take a second test if we like the first results and we get the results back of that two weeks later. So I'm like, another four weeks on top of everything. I'm not working. This is crazy. And I'm starting to doubt the whole thing in the first place. Um, But I go through those four weeks. I go through those tests. And then I start emailing everyone. I email Christy. I email Dreckio. I email Kevin. And I'm not hearing back from anyone. I went about maybe two or three weeks not hearing from anyone. And I'm like, well, I have Kevin Friedman's number. I'm just going to text him. 
Like, what is there to lose at this point from texting Kevin Freeman? Like, nothing's happening for me right now. It can't get worse than this. I'm not working. I'm unemployed. And I'm sitting at home waiting for some crazy response from a, a bunch of people who already told me that they're not hiring me two months ago. So, like, what am I doing? Um, so, I text Kevin. And he's like, hey, sorry. It's been crazy. Um, my whole family just got COVID. I meant to call you this week. I'll call you beginning of next week. So, I'm like, all right, fine. He calls me at the beginning of the following week. And we had this conversation. I had this whole thing planned. I'm like, dude. I'm going to tell him like Ronald Acuna had just signed a huge contract with Atlanta. I remember this. And I was like, they signed him to a huge contract after one year because they're banking on him being great in the future. I'm like, you told me I'm not qualified now, but I'm going to be awesome at this job. So if you give me that, I was going to use the sports analogy. I, it never even got to that point. He said to me, look, I like you. You'd be awesome at this job. You're project that you did with Nick went amazing. Your numbers came back from that test with Christy. Cool. You scored the highest percentage in all those numbers. I can't hire you. We can't. It's a pandemic. There's just the business is in too much jeopardy to be just handing out money to kids with no experience. We can't do it. I said, look, you just said I'd be awesome at this job. You just said all these great things to me. Like I'm never going to get an opportunity from anyone ever again, though, because they're just going to see the resume. You got to know me. Like, how am I, what am I supposed to do? So he said, you know what? You're right. Um, and he felt bad. So he said to me, he's like, and I'm sorry, I'm just fixing my shorts. If you're watching this, um, was, he's like, you're right. Um, how about this? If in six weeks we don't hire you, I'll, uh, I'll call my friend at iHeartRadio, a good friend of mine. I'll tell him he's crazy if he doesn't hire you. I'm like, deal, six weeks. He's like, yeah. So I was like, all right, I need a job for six weeks. I need to figure something else. I started looking into a real estate job. There was someone I knew, um, family close with him, family friend. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to get a job from him. And I even started, I went to the job a couple of times and like, cause he told me, yeah, you could have a job. And I went, I started training. I like met them a couple of times. And then a week later, Kevin Freeman, instead of six weeks, he calls me back a week later and he's like, Hey, I want you to do a meeting with me and Tracy. Um, who was the first person who called me. We're going to have a meeting tomorrow on Zoom. Uh, I want you to um, to do the presentation you did for Nick. I want you to do it for us. Uh, and and then we'll, uh, we'll take it from there. We'll see what happens. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm so broke right now. I didn't renew my Microsoft PowerPoint. And so like, I didn't, like I still had it on my laptop but I was so scared. Like I didn't exit out. I didn't turn off my laptop because I was scared I was going to lose the project because I didn't, I just didn't want to sign out of the account. And I was hoping that it wouldn't glitch and sign me out. And then I wouldn't have any of the presentation that I did with Nick. And how do I explain that I'm way too broke to pay for the $10 that it costs $10 a month for Microsoft PowerPoint. So I can't do this presentation for you for this meeting. Like, how do I explain that to them? Um, so luckily though, <laughs> my Microsoft worked. Uh, and I do the presentation, they liked it. And Kevin called me within an hour with a job offer. Um, one thing I'll tell you about my wife, cause like I said, I didn't work. This was after four months of not working and sitting at home, literally just recording a podcast that wasn't having, that didn't have any listeners because I was like too chicken, you know, chicken bleep and afraid to share it with anyone. Cause I was embarrassed of my own voice and myself and wasn't comfortable with what I was trying to do as a career change. Um, 
and I didn't have a job and I was I had this like pie in the sky dream that I would get this job with with Entercom with a major media company uh, based on nothing. <laughs> and my wife is just the true definition of a ride or die who, you know, she'd be with me no matter what she she doesn't, you know, to me, one of the things, one of the main reasons I married her, we always have fun. Like I said, we were literally in Miami together when we were broke. <laughs> like we always have fun together no matter what, but she's authentic. That's, I told you, that's the one thing I care about above anything. And that's how she is. She can't do the, the BS. She can't do fake either. She reads right through and she hates it. And when she saw me going for something that I love, that was truly me, she cared more about that then she cared about the fact that we were losing money by the day. The fact that all these other things are happening. She's like, I finally see you chasing something. I finally see you with purpose um, and chasing something that's really you. And she's also, she builds up her own, you know, her own um, business and has her own tra- a passion. That's something creative um, and it isn't traditional. And so she helped me with that. Like she wanted that for me. And so during that whole process, Till I got hired, she cared so much. She cared. She cared to just be there. Um, and you know, at times when I felt like I'm not following a traditional path, because at that point I wasn't. I wasn't even working. I was unemployed. What do I tell family and friends? What do I tell people? You know, I have a podcast that I'm doing, and I'm hoping to get this job in sales at at Intercom. You know, that people didn't know what that was. Um, and she didn't care about any of that stuff. She just was like, I want you to be happy. I'm going to, you know, help you and we're going to do this together. Um, and the other thing that helped me throughout that time, as crazy as it sounds, is listening to Craig and Evan on the radio every day. I said radio is cool like that because they feel like you're friends. They felt like they were friends of mine getting me through that time. Whereas months of that terrible job, the yeah, really just the end of it. And then four months of... They were like, I'm, my goal is to be there. My goal is to be with them in that building. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes. But no, I was in sales in Baltimore um, at Entercom. Actually, the day before I started, it became Odyssey. So now I'm at sales at Odyssey Baltimore, um, at the fan in Baltimore. And I talked about the yeshiva that I went to before. Um, and what's so interesting is one of the things that I, I think the thing that I learned the most from there, because there were a lot of things that I didn't learn there. And like I said, I was spent a lot of time in bed um, and I didn't care about anything. But one thing was there was a rabbi there who told this whole story and he said, this is why you have to believe in God because this happened and this happened. I said, you just took a story that was an average story. Basically, you know, you got went to the supermarket one day and just so happened to be at a parking spot in front, like, and you turned it into this crazy story about divine intervention, dude. I'm like, come on, man. That's that's ridiculous. He's like, no, that's the point. He said, you take things that seem mundane, that seem just happenstance, that seem circumstance, and you turn them into the moments. That's when you realize that there is a higher power, that there is something else. And I never believed him till I got hired at Odyssey. And I was like, Tracy Brandy's called me by accident. And then she put me off to Kevin Freeman, who happens to be a Jewish guy who we hit it off immediately. Like, all the things that had to happen perfectly in order for that to happen. I'm like, maybe that rabbi had a point when it just continued. Um, you know, when I was in sales, I felt like I was almost there. I felt like I was so close yet so far because I'm in the building. I'm, I see the radio studios. 
It's sports talk. I'm going to sporting events for free. I'm going to Ravens games. I'm going to Orioles games. I'm selling this stuff. I'm working with big, you know, marketing companies. I'm working with Wendy's and McDonald's and Coca-Cola on their ad campaigns. And yet I'm so far because I'm like on the other side of it. I'm on the sales side of it. I'm looking through like the email addresses and the contacts that work gave me. And I see Boomer Sizen's email address and his phone number like in the contacts because it was like there, my contacts at work. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And there were so many cool opportunities. Like, like I said, the the Ravens game, the suites, the all these different things. Um, and at the same time, I'm making money, like sales, you get commissions. This is great. Wow, this is awesome for me. Um, and then the best part about my sales job there, and I was, I was in sales for 10 months there. We'll talk about how that changed in a second, but was my one-on-one weekly sales meeting with my manager, Kevin Freeman. Kevin Freeman became my manager. He was the first person I spoke to. And we'd have these one-on-one sports meetings that every salesperson, every sales rep had with their manager once a week. And mine was on, I think it was on Mondays or Tuesdays. Uh, yeah, because I think Mondays we were out of office and I think it was on Tuesdays. Um, and I'd go into his office every Tuesday and we'd sit down and it would start, we'd talk about sports and then we'd talk about my career. Then we'd talk about his kids. He'd talk about life advice. He'd talk about regrets he had in his career. We'd talk about the journey. He put my career ahead of the work that we were supposed to be accomplishing in that building. The last five minutes of the meeting, we talk about the sales. The rest of the time, he treated me like his own child. He treated me and still does, by the way, because I'm still in touch with him. Like someone who loved me for for me and wanted the best for me and didn't care about... He was my boss. He was the person who was supposed to be getting the most out of me. And I went from a job where this person just put like said that my passion should be him, should be his work, to someone who spent more time talking about my passion than talking about the actual work that we were supposed to be getting done by tenfold. And every single one of those meetings is what I looked forward to most. And I remember there were some days where I made zero calls and I had a terrible sales week and nothing was going well. I couldn't get any meetings and ever, all the research I did went to crap. And I go into that office sometimes scared that he was going to be mad at me or something. And I'd sit down we'd just and it was the same. And he'd be like, at the end of it, he'd say, hey, let's try and work better this week. And we'd, we'd come up with a plan to work better. But it was always the same conversation when I sat down. It was, what happened in sports recently? Let's talk about your career. Let's talk about your goals. Let's talk about your podcast. Play some of it for me. Here's the story I want to tell you about something that happened in my career. He's an older, old, not old. He's older, probably in his late 50s. And he's like, here's something that I think you could learn from. And he treated my, me like one, he has two daughters. He treated me like one of his daughters and like one of his, or a son, I guess. And it we had conversations from everything about religion, about Judaism and like, you know, he's not Orthodox and we talked about Orthodox Judaism and, and different things like that. And it's one of the most special relationships, um, I had in my life. And, um, but I always wanted to be on the other side. It, it was obvious. I remember there was an opportunity to have a five second commercial spot, um, on the radio that was going to be on the air. And, I did it and I was so pumped. I'm psyched. I'm like playing it for everyone. I'm like, listen, you hear that? That was my voice. Like talking to, I, I said a one line thing for five seconds on the radio. I was in this commercial. I don't even know if they aired it or not. Like I had the recording of it. I'm like, this is awesome. But, and like, I was so psyched and I hated sales and Kevin knew this and I knew it. Um, 
So then 10 months in, there was an event in New York City for WFAN with Pete Alonso, the first ever uh, Pete Alonso comedy event with WFAN. Um, and Shlomo Levenger, my friend, was nice enough to take me, famous magician, shout out. And he was nice enough to take me to this event. And we had VIP passes. And he did some magic on Craig Carton. And it impressed them enough that they let us hang out for longer in the VIP section. Um, and it was the first time I met Craig Carton. I told him, I was like, dude, I, I mean, I sent you this email. Now I work in sales at Odyssey in Baltimore. It's so cool. And he's like, he was the nicest guy. He wasn't like as brash and you know crazy as he is on air. Um, and he pretended to remember and stuff. And he did all the right things. And um, and to me, that was awesome. It was like, I met my hero and he was nice and he was awesome. Um, a, a, around like that time, maybe a week or two, either earlier or later, uh, I met my, I think it was before, I met Mike Breen also, who... Uh, the voice of the New York Knicks, someone I talked about how much I love broadcasters, someone I had looked up to. And we actually talked about my career and he actually came over to me and was like, and I've told this story on the podcast before, um, where he sought me out. He saw me waiting for him and he came and walked across the court and came over to me and we talked. And so these were like some of the cool events that were happening for me in my life, um, being in the, in, in the sports world. And I was like, this is awesome. This is great. I'm I'm loving this, even though there was kind of this pit in my stomach where I was like, I'm so close yet so far. <laughs> like, I want to be doing something else, even though I'm right here. Um, and then I decided, you know what? I'm going to go over to Spike Eskin. Spike Eskin was the new, um, Mark Chernoff had left, and Spike Eskin was the new program director at WFAN um, in New York City. And I decided, I'm going to go over to him and see what he says. He was in this VIP room at this event, and we'll see what happens. So I went over to him and I said, hey, um, you know, I work in sales at Odyssey in Baltimore. I have this podcast. I want to grow the podcast. I want to figure out what the next step in my career is um, in the media world. Like, what do I do? And he told me some great advice. He's like, record three times a week. We talked about the podcast. Like, what do you do on your podcast? How, how do you make it better? You know, and we, we just had conversations. The name of the podcast, different things like that. He said to me something so interesting. He said, what's the difference between a podcast that has 10 listeners and a podcast that has 10,000 listeners? I was like, I have no idea. He's like, in the studio, nothing. When you're in that studio, there shouldn't be a difference between... If It doesn't matter. You should treat the podcast like 100,000 people are listening. Like it's the most popular podcast in the world. Because you're doing the same thing. I was like, all right, that's awesome. But like, how do I take my career to the next step? He said, well, no one's going to take you seriously if you're in sales. You're just going to be a sales guy. No one's ever going to look at you for an on-air opportunity and be like, oh, that sales kid's pretty good. Let's let's see what, what he can do on air. He's like, you're in sales. I was like, so what do I do? He's like, do you want to work overnights till six o'clock in the morning, cutting tape, cutting audio tape for $12 an hour? How about, how's that sound? I'm like, I'm in, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the SpongeBob me and you SOB, I'm in. I was ready. I'm like, I'm in, I'm doing this. And um, he, he's like, okay, when you get back to Baltimore, email me, um, and we'll figure it out. I get back to Baltimore. I'm like, wait, that was crazy. I can't move to New York on a whim like this for $12 an hour. How am I going to make it work in New York? So I go to the bosses and I go to Kevin. And I, what was so amazing was he was my boss and I wasn't afraid to say this to him. I wasn't afraid to be like, hey, I have this other ambition that I want to do. That means, you know, quitting. And that means like this whole job that I was doing this whole time was kind of like not what I wanted. Um, and I said to him, I'm like, I want to be on the on-air side. I, I have this opportunity. He's like, I know. I know you do. He's like, take it. You'll never regret not taking this chance. Like, you'll always regret not taking it if you don't take it. And you'll never regret taking it if you take this chance. 
And that's the second time I mentioned that line because he's like, you have to take it, take the chance, go for it. And luckily he arranged for them to match the same offer in Baltimore. Um, he told the programmer, uh, program director there by the name of Chuck Zapienza and Tracy Brandes, who also was like, of course, this is why you came to the building. She's like, I'm okay. I understand that. Like, of course, this is why you came to the building to ultimately get this job. Like, I get that. And they were so nice about it. And they're like, yeah, you could transfer. We're taking away your commissions. We're taking away your salary. We're taking away all your benefits. But if you want to work part-time overnights for $15, $12 an hour, go for it. Cutting tape, sitting alone in a radio studio, knock yourself out. And I did. Um, and you can go back and watch my Instagram stories from then. I had fun. I entertained myself all night on the overnights for $12 an hour. Um, and then I started building up. And as my bank account continued to shrink, I kept building up to the point where um, I felt confident now. I felt like I had a, I was working towards something. I had a goal. I, I, I didn't care telling people. Like I would tell friends and family, the same people that I was like scared to tell, like, yeah, I'm doing something different. I'm doing something that's not, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer. Sorry. Um, and I feel like I'm working towards something though. It was less money, but it was like, it felt like real purpose. Um, and it started slow, but I said yes to everything. Like I, it didn't matter whatever they wanted me to do. My podcast was getting better. I was getting better connections. I was reaching out to more people. I was, I, I, to me, this was like, it felt like I was finally moving towards something. When they said, Hey, we need a backup traffic reporter. I was like, yes, I'll be the backup traffic reporter. And then I was doing traffic reports and people would text me like, Hey, we hear you on the radio. I'm like, I know I do traffic reports. Isn't that crazy? And like some people thought it was weird and it probably is. It is weird. But I said yes to whatever they wanted. Um, I started getting opportunities to run the soundboard like within a few months. I mean, three months out the first three months, I didn't leave overnights. I was overnights four nights a week and that was it. Um, but then I started running the soundboard. Uh, I was going to Camden Yards and being the remote engineer for Orioles pregame with Bill Ripken, you know, and, and Bob Haney on the fan, like at Camden Yards every night before Orioles games. Um, and they started letting me do some weekend and holiday shifts, like board hopping and producing the holiday shifts. Uh, and weekends on the fan. And I remember that I'll never forget this. My first on-air shift uh, where I think I had done the traffic reports before. But my first time that I, I was actually on the air was the Bruce Cunningham show on July 4th, 2021. Or no, 2022. Yeah, because 2021 was when I got the job uh, in sales. So July 4th, 2022. Um and the Bruce Cunningham show, he was filling in because it was the 4th of July. And he says to me, he goes, now we're going to check in on the hot dog race that's going on right now. Rami, what's going on? And that was my first time on the air was the hot dog eating contest. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is my first audition on radio is going to be, I'm going to have to break down this guy shoving hot dogs down his gullet. Um, and, but that was, that was the first time I'll never forget that. And I'm thankful to Bruce for that. And then doing the Glenn and Rita show, which was a weekend show doing shows with everyone. And then I got to find Like I got to fill in. They needed people. They always needed bodies. I was filling in doing afternoon drive. I did afternoon drive so many times. I did the evening show. I did the midday show. I did the morning show. <laughs> Funny story. Also, I started doing sports updates and like, 
if you know, they do the sports update twice an hour at, you know, the top of the hour and at the 30 minute, um, like at eight o'clock, eight 30, um, there's a sports update where they just do like a quick, like here's a minute and 90 second, whatever, 90 second recap of what's going on in the world of sports. And I thought it was going to be a big deal. Like, Hey, the, the update guy's not here. So the producers are doing updates today. And it's the midday show and the producer's not here and I'm filling in on the midday show, which means that I'm doing the sports updates today. So I went into my boss's office and I'm like, um, hey, do you want me to do the sports updates? Do you want me to see if the, one of the afternoon hosts can fill in and do the updates? He's like, no, you're fine. You could do it. There was no like pop in circumstance. There was no like big moment. Like to me, it's like you're telling me you want me to do sports updates on the fan, like on the air. And he was just like, yeah, I guess you're doing it. And that was it. Like there was nothing to it. Like, like it was almost like I was supposed to be there. And I finally started to feel like that. Like. I belong. I'm supposed to be here. I'm really good at this. Like I started getting that confidence where I'm, I'm really good at this job. I'm really good at running the board. I'm really good at all these different things that come along with being in sports talk radio. I'm good at putting together a, a, a program. I'm good at running the show. I'm good at producing. I'm, I'm good on air. I'm, I'm, my podcast is getting better. Um, and I built up, I did the morning show. That was a dream when I got to do the, I, I filled in on the morning show and that's a funny story too. Like the first time Waking up at three o'clock in the morning. Again, I grew up listening to Boomer and Carton. The morning show was my dream. That's like the ultimate goal in all of sports talk radio is to be a morning show host because I grew up listening to them. And I got to just producing the morning show and talking a little bit on the show with them was just like, wow, this is awesome. Um, And then at the perfect time when I really had no money anymore, Fox Sports reached out to me. Like they reached out to me for a freelance position. And I did that during the football season, cutting up tape. And at some point I was thinking like, so I work for Fox Sports. And for Odyssey, this is when right when Craig started with Fox Sports, and I drive a, an Elantra. I'm just like Craig Carton because he always talks about how he drives an Elantra. Um, that was like ten months of me. It was not. It was a year of me working in Baltimore sports talk radio, where I started twelve dollars an hour overnight shifts, and I built to the point where I was on air at least four times a week in some capacity or another because I just said yes to every single thing. In Baltimore radio, the the rapid, the way I grew, the way I built up was just like the first three months I didn't leave overnights. And then all of a sudden over the next eight months, it was just so quick, just a rapid ascension to the top. And it was just like the coolest thing. I had a cool story also where um, I talked to my boss because I, I never worked Friday nights or Saturdays. And those are big days, especially we have college football and basketball in the air. Um, and those those could have been big days for me. And he said to me, though, we had one conversation one time and he's like, look, I know how much you respect then. So I know I can't give you those shifts, but you know, it's helping you because you have, he's like, whenever there's something, something happens and, and, you know, if something goes wrong in a show or you mess up, he's like, I always give you the benefit of the doubt because I know that you have like a moral compass and you, you care about things. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like that he felt that way because I, like I had something that I answered to. I had something that was like a higher power. It felt like that kind of, um, validated some of the things that I thought about, like, is that this going to hold me back in my career? And so that was a cool moment for me. Um, and then this opportunity came up at major league baseball, uh, and it meant moving, but it meant moving to New York. And at this point I knew I'm good at this job. I'd built up in this role. It wasn't just leaving for $12 an hour. I was leaving for something in Major League Baseball. And I said to my boss in Baltimore, I said, what should I do? And he said, I'll reach out to Spike Eskin again for you on your behalf and see if he could transfer you to the fan in New York City 
and you should leave, go to Major League Baseball and try and get hours on the fan also. Um, at this point, my wife had built up her entire practice, her entire business. She's a makeup artist. She's awesome. If you know anyone, hire like you should hire her. She's really freaking talented and creative. Um, and she built up an entire business from scratch, from nothing. While I was messing around with a podcast trying to get a job at Odyssey, she built it up from zero to the top. And she's the number one person in Baltimore. And everyone loves her. And I come home one day and I'm like, good news. We're packing up and leaving. Everything you did, we're, we're leaving it. So like what I owe her is nuts. Like I owe her everything. And she was like, yeah, for your career, like I know you have to be there. I know you want to be there. We're going to do it. We're going to get up. We're going to leave and we're going to make this happen for you. And so first of all, what I do for Major League Baseball, um, I'm a real-time highlighter. Not the most glamorous thing in the world. Uh, it pays decently and I watch baseball for a living. But um, a lot of people ask me what I do for baseball. When you're on the app, when you're on MLB.com, when you're on, I don't know, any highlight site or Twitter or social media, it feels like the, the replays come in almost instantaneously, right? The second something happens, the video is posted. That's because someone like me sits in a room um, with real-time feeds of the Major League Baseball games. And the second they come in, we clip a short version of the play and we put it out as quickly as possible. Then we have an editor who cleans it up, but we title it. We send it to all the right places. That's what we do. We watch baseball. And if something highlight-worthy happens, we send it to all the locations, to the app, to our partners, to social media. And that's basically what I do. Um, not the craziest thing in the world, but I also sit in a room with, you know, I see Pedro Martinez. I see, you know, Albert Pujols, CC Sabathia. I see these guys every day. It, it, it's cool. And I get paid to watch baseball. Um, but like, it kind of, like, I was really bummed out when we moved. You'd think like I'm leaving to go pursue my dreams in New York city, right? Go into the big city. Finally going to pursue I, my whole lifelong dream is to be part of New York sports media. And I'm going to be part of New York sports media. And I was like super bummed out. I was like, we had such a good situation here. Um, it was easy, you know, the Fox sports thing. And by the way, that that's so crazy how that happened. The Fox sports, they're like, they call me up. They're like, Hey, it was a freelance position since football season ended. We really don't need any help anymore. You know, maybe next football season, reach back out to us and we'll, we'll start it up again. And like, that was after I decided to take the job at MLB. So like, you know, the timing of that was perfectly. Nothing happens. Nothing's a coincidence. Nothing happens by accident. Um, but it was still hard, like, to leave. And I said, and I, I talked to my wife about this, and I'm like, you know, growth doesn't come from a place where things are easy. You know, you improve and get better when things are difficult. And the fact that we are comfortable is fun and nice. But I'm 25 years old. There'll be plenty of time to be comfortable down the road. I need to make this happen. If I don't make this happen, if the same thing we talked about, I'll always regret not taking the chance. I'll never regret taking the chance. I got to take this chance right now. Um, and when I first moved the first few weeks, I had initially heard back from Spike Eskin through my boss when my boss emailed him, who's the program director at WFN. And then I, nothing, crickets for for weeks. And I'm not hearing from him. And I'm like, shoot, he's just ghosted me. I moved here for WFAN. I didn't move for MLB Network. Like MLB Network and working for MLB is cool, but that's not why I moved. That's not moving my career forward. I moved for the opportunities I could have at WFAN. I wanted to continue what I was doing in Baltimore at the fan. I knew it wouldn't be to that scale because there's so many more people. It's a bigger stage. I get it. But like, I'm not hearing anything from him. 
and I'm just sitting there thinking this is was this whole thing was a huge mistake. This is over. I'm thinking I'm a failure. I got to go back to Baltimore now with tail between my legs. Like I just made the biggest mistake of my life. Um, and I can't make it in New York and that that's the whole thing. And that's it. Um, and I called Kevin Friedman, <laughs> same person. And I said to him, I was like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. I don't know what to do. He's like, look, you're going to send him one last email. It's going to be the best email you ever sent him. You're just going to be honest with him. You're going to be straight. You're going to be direct. You're going to tell him you don't care if he has hours or not. Like if he doesn't have hours, just be honest. I have to say, why aren't you responding to him? Like, why aren't you responding to me? Make him, give him a compelling reason to respond to your email. And this is your final attempt. And if he responds, great. And that's the best you can hope for. Um, he helped me craft the email. I emailed it to him. And within 25 minutes, Spike Heskin emailed me back and I started crying. Like, to me, it was, it, it, it just hit me. It was like all this work that I put in, I felt like I was, I was done. I, I, I just moved. I took my wife away from everything. I like put a, you know, I, I got this apartment that I can't afford and like all these things, like for something that just didn't happen. And then when he emailed me back, it actually like happened. And I, I started doing some tape shifts at WFN going in a couple nights a week, nothing glamorous starting from the bottom. Um, but then, uh, Keith McPherson posted on W on, on, on his social media or on LinkedIn, who's the evening time host at WFN, he posted, Hey, I'm looking for some help with my social media. I need someone to help me out. And I remembered that um, a few months earlier, Keith had followed me on TikTok, my podcast. You could go watch short videos on my podcast, the Rami Lavi podcast on, on TikTok. The, the podcast, the very podcast you're listening to right now uh, is available in bite-sized little pieces that are really fun and enjoyable to watch on TikTok. And um, Keith McPherson reached out to me or I reached out to him. I said, Hey, I saw you follow me on TikTok. You know, I work for MLB also, which he does. He works for MLB network. He's like, and I also work for WFAN so I could help you with your stuff. And he's like, Oh, that's perfect. He's like, so you'll have a, a pass to get into both places. So you could help me with all this stuff. And like, what were the odds you talk about? Like everything had to be perfect. What are the odds that I would work in both the two places that he works in? And the timing would be so perfect that right after it was literally after my first two shifts at WFAN, I get this email from him or I see this message from him on LinkedIn and I text him. If I wasn't in New York, if I didn't put myself in this position, if I wasn't at these two jobs, but everything had to be perfect. Like when I say I believe in a higher power, it's because of things like this. I didn't believe in anything, but this stuff, like you can't make that up. Like it's just, it's wild. Like um, I put myself in that position. I worked hard. I put... putting all the work in, I was getting paid for my podcast. I don't make a ton of money off my podcast, making those short TikTok videos. I do it all myself, start to finish. But because he followed me on TikTok, so he liked my stuff. He knew who I was. He decided that he'll give me a chance. He's like, Hey, I think you're talented. And this is what he wrote to me. He said, I think you're talented. I think you've got all the the, the, the stuff in the world to make a really, to be really great at this. You just need the right, right opportunity. This is your opportunity. And he the way he said that to me, I was like, Dude, this guy's good. I'm, and I, I'm like, right, I'm in. I'm going to work with you. And so immediately I started working for with him. I've done like all these short videos. If you see, he's really active on social media now with TikTok and Instagram and Twitter videos. And I make all those videos with him. And every conversation I have with him, I'm just reaffirmed that what a good dude he is. I'm like, he's like, yeah, you're my guy now. I ride with you. He took me to the Paul O'Neill event to meet Paul O'Neill 
it, you know, that he was hosting um, down in New Jersey. We went to the Yankees Mets game, sat in seats right behind home plate with, you know, a couple of people who he works with also in, in marketing who helped like advance his career. And he made introduced me, made these connections for, for me. Um, and every time I like, I'm like, and he talks about me on the show. And I, every time I email him and I text him, I'm like, dude, thank you. So I can't thank you enough. He's like, you don't even need, he's like, we're one now. He doesn't treat me like he's the boss and I'm like just working for him. He treats me like we're on the same level, like we're on the same team. He built up his whole career to get to this point, to have a show on WFAN. And now he just treats me like this. Like we were talking the other day and he's like, oh, I would love for you to be my producer on the fan one day. That would be so cool. Like, and he wants, you know, my career also, he cares about me. He's like, he's like, I, I ride with you now. He's like, I'm loyal to you. And like, just having that connection with someone like that is so important. Like when we went to the, to the Mets game, like it was so cool everywhere we go. He's like, yeah, is my guy. He's with me, Rami. Like it was just like awesome. Um, and he's just been such a special and great dude to work with and to work for. Super, super cool guy. Super awesome guy. Super genuine guy. And also, it's just getting me in the building. Like this story <laughs> I told was um, I started doing the the videos for him. And then this people from the social media, no one told me, not the bosses didn't tell me to do that. Keith asked me to do that for him. And then the bosses who run the digital team at WFN were like, hey, actually, could you do this instead of this on that one video? And like, and also, can you help out with this other video? And then when I email them, hey, I need footage from this show because I'm trying to make a video for... And they they get back to me and they're like, yeah, here's footage. Here's this, here's that. And I'm like, by the way, this isn't my job. I just made it my job. Um, and it's so funny how like every single opportunity, if you make it your opportunity, you make it happen for yourself. Um, it just happens. And that's how kind of my career has been. And I, I, I know this has been really long. I don't know how long this is going to go, how much longer, but not much longer. You already know more than I know because you could see the little scroll bar at the bottom. Um, and I don't have that because I'm still recording this. Um, but I wanted this to be raw and unedited and uncut. So I'm sorry if it's, if it's too long, listen to in multiple parts. Um, and then when I go, I went to the Mets event again, <laughs> same Pete Alonzo, Craig and Evan event on Monday night, this past Monday night with Shlomo Levenger again. And I met Stu Finer there. And I talked about that when I met Stu and I'm like, Hey Stu. And he's like, your story is awesome. You have to tell your story. He followed me on Twitter. He gave me a cell phone number. He's like, dude, you're so good. You're so talented. You're so cool. I love you. Which he says to everyone, he says, I love you. I love you. I love you. Um, but like all these things were so like reaffirming to me. And then they tell me, Hey, you know, you've been doing these tape shifts, a couple of tape shifts here and there at WFN, but we want to put you on the board. You're going to start running the board at WFAN. What you were doing about down Baltimore, basically, like I'm getting more opportunities and I get the, you know, my schedule with more shifts doing a full, a full week of board hopping at WFAN. And then that day is the same day that Craig announces that he's leaving WFAN, which was today. And it just like felt bittersweet. It's like, I just got here. Like to me, WFAN and Craig Carton are synonymous. And I never realized that till today. And I don't want to make my whole career about him because I just told you my whole career story and it's a crazy story. Um, every step of the way had to be like perfect. Um, and it, it's not perfect, but you know, it's perfectly imperfect. And this part of it is also going to be because, you know, it's going to open up more opportunities for people at the fan for sure. But, you know, if the ship sinks, we all go down with it. Like if, if him leaving hurts the fan, it hurts us all. Um, so, you know, selfishly, I wanted to work with him at some point, of course. And now that opportunity at least won't happen right away. Um, but I trust the people in the building. I trust the talented people that the fan will still do well. 
um, and nothing has been by chance. So why of all weeks this week would be the week that I find out he's leaving the day I get more shifts two days after being at his event with all the Mets and all these great things happening for me and, and Keith and all that stuff. Nothing's a coincidence. And so, but it may, it did make me like reflect kind of on my career. And so I wanted to do this episode. So I wanted to share some lessons. I had 10 lessons I wanted to share, um, about, you know, everything that's happened to me so far in my career. Uh, number one, some days are tough. There are days that are going to be really tough. There are days when I'm editing a podcast like this that's gone on for two hours. Um, and I'm like, who even cares? Who's listening? Is anyone really going to listen to this? Does anyone care? You know, I see there's 12 people listening to my podcast. It's my three friends and my parents. You know what I mean? Not actually, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't really matter. And then that some of the tougher days, uh, you're reminded on the great days when it's fun, when you are at City Field, when Keith McPherson reached out to you because he saw your stuff on TikTok, like of all places, and those TikToks that you make, maybe they're actually working. Um, like all that stuff, like all of a sudden is coming back to you. And those are the days that you realize like that makes everything else worth it. That makes all the tough stuff worth it. The other thing is confidence. I'm confident in my ability now. Like I know I'm good at this. I know I'm good at talking. I know I'm good at the podcast. I know I'm great at running a show, creating a show, like planning a show, all these things, the radio side of it. And I'm confident. And when I talk to people and when I talk to people like, hey, what are you doing? You're chasing this wild high pie in the sky dream. I'm like, no, I'm chasing something that I know I can do that I'm capable of doing. And I'm not afraid to go over to people and tell them what my life dream. I used to be so afraid to tell people what my actual long-term goal was. Now I'm like, this is what I want. This is what I, where I'm trying to go. Um, and that's awesome. The other thing is like the divine intervention, like number three, like <laughs> Tracy, her calling me by accident, moving, uh, at the perfect time, right? When FS1 ended and, and, uh, and, that, that that right afterwards MLB Network started Keith McPherson all that stuff everything seems like it happens for a reason and I can't explain it uh but there might be some higher power who knows um and then number four a lesson that I learned I always question my decisions I questioned from why didn't I move sooner maybe I would have been at FAN longer I'd already be more successful there I would have worked with Greg Carton I don't know to how I moved all together. I had such a good situation in Baltimore. I loved it. Maybe I should have just stayed and I would have just been happy there. Like I question everything to questioning like the entire thing in the first place. Like, why don't I just quit and just get a regular freaking job and make real money and not have to always worry about money and not have to worry that like I'm end up doing this for 10 years and wasting 10 year, more years of my life, quote unquote, wasting. Um, although I would never like I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't do this, but why, why am I doing this and not just trying to get something stable and something like that? Uh, I question everything. Um, number five, another thing that I know the only way to fail, and this is why this is always the answer when I question all these things is the only way you can fail is if you quit. And that's what Johnny Lazarus told me. And I live by that every day because if I quit, it's over. Um, and if I fail, I can live with myself. If one day it just, I get fired and I'm not good at this. And someone finally has comes up to me and says, you're really not good at this. You're confident. You think you're good at this, but you're not. 
I'll stop. But until that point, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm not going to quit. Um, number six is being comfortable. Like I said, being comfortable with the people who don't understand I'm fully comfortable. It comes with the confidence. Number seven um, is I get a huge boost from people. You don't even know. When people who reach out to me, friends of mine who are listening to this right now and say, you're good at this or it's so cool that you're you're chasing your dream. It's so cool. I don't know anyone else who follows their... I have one friend who's like, I don't know anyone else who follows their passion like you. Like It's so cool that you're doing this. Um, or to people in, who I meet, people who reach out on Twitter and are like, hey, we want advice from you. And I feel so humbled. I also sometimes feel like a fraud. I'm like, how am I going to be giving advice? Like, I'm chasing my dream. You should see my bank account. Like, this is this is not as glamorous as you think it is. Um, and but still it gives don't stop saying those things to me, even though sometimes I feel like a fraud. But that's just my insecurities telling me that like it is cool what I'm doing. It's crazy how much I've cut, how far I've come and I should pay it forward. And that's what my podcast is. My podcast is a blueprint for me to look back to know where I came from. That's number nine, knowing where I came from. Appreciate how far you've come and know where you're headed to. I know where I came from from because I have the podcast as a blueprint and it's also paving the way for the next person. It's paying it forward to whoever is the next person who wants to maybe try and do this. You can listen to my podcast and see how I did exactly how I did everything. And I do that on purpose and I do it for myself so I could listen back and be like, here's where you came from. Here's how far you've gotten. And the number 10, the last thing that I've learned is to celebrate the small things, celebrate the small dubs. Like, Everything seems normal when it happens one thing after another. Like you met Pedro Martinez because you're working at MLB because you did this, this, and this, and this, and it's a snowball effect. So it's normal that I met Pedro Martinez last week, but it's so not normal. Appreciate the small dubs because when you celebrate all the small victories that you have throughout the process, then those bigger monumental moments, you could look back and you could say, look, I came from zero all the way to this. So I celebrate every step along the way. Um, so that when things happen that they seem they're normal, they happen. Being at the WFAN studio a few times a week is normal now. It's part of what I do. But it's normal because I put in all these steps, all the work, all the phone calls, all the emails, all the stresses that it took to get me to that point. So celebrate all those little things. And the last thing is my connections and my relationships are the most important thing that I've gotten from this job. And um, I'm just so grateful. Thankful to my parents, number one, First and foremost, like they have always taught me to follow my dreams and to do what I love. And whatever pressures I felt otherwise were not from them. It was from my own stuff in my own head. And that was my own fault and no fault of theirs. And so they've been the most supportive people in my life. And I appreciate that so much. Um, my wife is right there with them. I mean, she's sacrificed more in her life than any other person has in their life. Uh, for me, she sacrificed more than I have because I have nothing to lose at this point, right? And she's gave given it all up, every single thing in her life for me and my goals and my career. And it's the most selfless thing anyone has ever done for me uh, is what she's currently doing for me. And so I'm just thankful to her and every single person who listens and supports, every single person who's listening and shares this right now. I say it on every episode, but I really mean it. Um, I'm so grateful to you guys because without you guys, I, I don't have this platform. You give me this platform. Then everyone who reached out to me, um, you know, people reach out to me before this podcast. Like we're excited to hear this podcast that you're going to do telling your story. Everyone who anytime reaches out to me and says, it's so cool that you're doing what you're doing. I said, it gives me that boost. All the podcast guests. I had a ton of podcast guests. I plan on doing that and continuing to do that. 
Um, and then obviously the people who are the people throughout my career who were my role models and bosses and Kevin Friedman first and foremost, but Spike Eskin, uh, Chuck Sapienza, uh, Keith McPherson now, Tracy Brandes, Johnny Lazarus, you too, Craig Carton, from just from that email, uh, Amy, Nick, Kyle, like all you people who, if you're listening right now, I appreciate you so much. And just know that I'm just getting started. Like this isn't the goal. I don't feel like I've made it. I decided to do this now because I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And I owe it to myself to do this so that I could kind of appreciate everywhere that I've come from. Um, but this is just the beginning and I can't wait to see uh, what comes in the future, what the future holds for me and this podcast on this platform and wherever. Uh, thank you guys all so much for listening. I appreciate it. Um, and it's like I said, like I can't do any of this without you and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pushing until next time. I know it was a longer episode. I really appreciate you. See you. Sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all I can You see, a big stole and I bought Yeah
like Sunday morning. 